David soon arrived at Mahanaim. By now, Absalom uh, had mobilized the entire army of Israel and was leading his troops across the Jordan River. Picture this for just a moment, David and his troops. It's a small group of men, uh, warriors that have been uh, pushed out of the nation of Israel. And David's son, Absalom, is uh, now the rebel king that takes that place. And he has the entire nation's army, um, and he needs to take out the old king so that he doesn't have any threat to his kingdom. This war is going to take place. It's a war that would take place that every movie that you would go to theaters and get your popcorn to watch would try to replicate. Like they would, it'd be the one that they would try to uh, create and, and create this moment for us to be just in amazement and astonishment of a war that would happen. It would be when I would go in and I would see Lord of the Rings. It would be this moment where this small group of men would walk up to the gates of Mordor and they would stand there an entire ogre army would uh, surround them and the king would stand there he would look back at Gandalf and these two hobbits and he would say this is for Frodo and then he would run and they would all follow him with this energy with this like excitement that they're going to do some more right here they're going to protect what's theirs they're going to provide a way for Frodo to solve this issue of the ring like all this stuff would happen and we would watch as lives would be lost this is what happens in 2nd Samuel chapter 18 If you can, open your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to read from one with us, all you have to do right now is just raise your hand and one of our awesome team will run you a Bible. Just keep your hand up. 2 Samuel 18, a story of a son and a father, a story of a dysfunctional family, a story of thousands of men that will go to war and many of them will lose their lives. Chapter 18, verse 1. David now mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. He sent the troops out in three groups, placing one group under Joab, one under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zerai, and one under Ittai, the man from Gath. The king told his troops, I am going out with you. But his men objected strongly. You must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it's better that you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. If you think that is best, I'll do it, the king answered. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. And the king gave his command to, uh, this command to Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. For my sake, deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. Here we are. This, the, the war is about to begin. A couple things we see. David at this time is around the age of 60. He has seen a lot of life. He has been in the place of, uh, of leading warriors. He has known that the old king, King Saul, killed thousands, but David 
tens of thousands. This is like riding a bike for David. He's back in this moment, and what does he do right away? He sets up generals and commanders to win a war. Even if they have the smaller numbers, he knows how to win a war. So the war will take place in a forest so they can have advantage so they do not have, they have the upper ground. There's vegetation, there's hills, there's all these things. A, a ton of warriors coming at them, well, they can hide and they can run and they can flee and they can win. David knows what he's doing. And it would take decades of time for David to mature and grow and see life to be able to make these types of plans. For some of us, just like if we stop and like, it, maybe you're older today. Maybe you've followed Jesus for a long time or a short time, but you're older in age. Some of us, we almost act as if we get to a certain age and we hand it off and we say, hey, now it's the younger generation. You guys deal with it and you take it and we're on the sidelines now and we're watching. But that is not the picture that we see throughout the story of God and how he uses us humans, how he uses men and women in his story, that in our older age, maybe we are empowering and discipling and mentoring the younger generation, but we are there, and we are helping, and we still see God has a plan for each of us, and God will continue his work in the story of David. But the other thing we see is David's response. David says, before you leave, and the whole troops, all, everyone hears this, he says, be gentle with Absalom. What he's saying, show mercy. Protect Absalom. This is a son that has rebelled against his father. This is a son that is trying to take his father's life. This is a son that is not innocent. This is the son that would kill his brother because his brother is an abuser. This is the son that would uh, erect a, a, a tent at the top of the castle for the entire nation to watch as he would take 10 women, concubines of David, into that tent and rape them. He is not innocent. So why does David say this? Some of us, we don't like what David says here, where he says, be gentle, show mercy to young Absalom. Like, he doesn't deserve mercy. He deserves judgment. But this is David's response. And I think just for a moment, it's another just glimpse and picture in, this is you and this is me. This is our sin and our selfishness and our pride and our resentment and our actions of saying we are God and we no longer listen to God and we act it out in our own way and we choose our own way and lust and theft and all these things. And God's response is, that is my child. Just for a moment, just for a moment, they see the love of a father. And it's just a small fraction glimpse to the love of our heavenly father for each of us. This story unfolds and, and it continues on in verse 9. We'll pick back up. During the battle, the battle has begun. The troops are out in the forest. Absalom's army, the whole nation of Israel, is out in the forest. The battle is beginning. Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule. As he rode beneath the thick branches of the great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept on going and left him dangling in the air. Picture this. You go to war and your hair gets in the way. Out of pain. Verse 10. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. What? Joab demanded. You saw him there and didn't kill him. 
I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt. And then the response, I would not kill the king's son for even thousand pieces of silver. The man replied to Joab, we all heard the king say to you and Abishai and Ittai, for my sake, please spare young Absalom. And if I had betrayed the king by killing a son and the king would certainly find out who did it, you yourself would be the first to abandon me. So we see the response of a, a warrior. I will never go against my king. But the response from Joab, enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he's dangling, still alive in the great tree. Ten of Joab's young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it, and all Israel fled to their homes. The war is ended. This whole while what would give us a glimpse, almost like, if you will, cosmic justice that unfolds where Absalom will be hanging from this tree going against the king's orders. Joab will go out there with 10 men. Just for a moment, it's a reminder of two chapters earlier. Well, Absalom will take 10 concubines into a tent. Now 10 men will surround him and kill him. Early in Absalom's reign, if you will, he's rebelled and almost immediately he he, uh, creates a large stone sculpture, a statue of himself. I'm the new king. He's vain. He's he's looking for recognition, pride. And, And now he will be buried in a grave and what will mark his grave are stones. Justice always comes. And the whole while, Absalom's biggest fault throughout this whole process and this army that is built and then this decision to to go and attack David, all the while he is searching for man's greatest plans. He is bringing together men all the time to figure out what is the best plan to win this war. But the one thing he never does is look to God. This is David and this is Absalom. And this is the problem of a family and a nation will bear that responsibility and war will happen. But a father wanted wanted his son to be protected. And now the father hears the news. We continue to read. Chapter 18, verse 24. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running toward him. He shouted the news down to David. The king replied, if he's alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman uh, watchman saw another man running toward them. He shouted, here comes another one. The king replied, he also has news. The first man runs like Ahimez, son of Zadok, the watchman said which if you ever are recognized from a very far, long distance away and you're recognized by the way you run, that's never a good thing. He runs like a weirdo probably. And he's running and he says, hey, this guy's coming as well. He says, he's a good man with good news, the king replied. Then Ahamez cried to the king, everything is all right. 
He bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise to the Lord your God who has handed over the rebels who dared to stand against my Lord the king. David's first response back, What about young Absalom? The king demanded. Is he all right? Ahamez replied, When Joab told me to come, there was so much commotion, but I didn't know what had happened. Wait here, the king told him. So Ahamez stepped aside. Then the man from Ethiopia, another messenger, arrived and said, I have good news for my lord the king. Today the Lord has rescued you from all those who rebelled against you. David's response, what about young Absalom? The king demanded, is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, may all of your enemies, my lord the king, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. And without telling David he's dead, he tells David he's dead. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up the room over the gateway and burst into tears. As he went, he cried, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead. Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son. And we see the response of a father. In this moment, David... He's broken. This is his son. This is what happens. It seems like he, he, he's recognizing this reality also that this is his son. The one that he, he, if you will, put into motion the problems and the sins that Absalom would face are the sins that his father has before him. That's my pride. That's my lust. That's my selfishness. That's my greed. Those are my things. I put this in motion. He's carrying this weight. And David, he, he sees that the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. But the one thing that Absalom doesn't learn from his father is that no matter how far you run, if you just turn back to God, he continues to show grace. For us, maybe today, parents, no matter how old your kids are, maybe the one thing you could actually see is the impact you have, is, is not just that you, you need to say the right things. Because your kids, they see your face and your actions on Sunday, but they also see them on Monday. They know how much of a hypocrite you are. They see it. And maybe for us parents, instead of having so much pride, sometimes it's sitting down and owning it. My bad, I apologize. I don't always live the way I want to but maybe the greatest thing you could show them is how to turn back to God. Because that, that's it. That's the story of David is a man that turns back, returns back to God every time. For us as parents, we, we, sometimes we miss the reality of the impact that we're having with our kids. And we try to put structure in their life, which is really good. And we, we, we try to show them right from wrong, which is so good. And then when they get in trouble, we punish them, which is also good. Kids don't like to hear it, but it is. But sometimes we punish them from the one thing that you should never, and it's like from church and from the things that matter, we should be pointing them to the love and grace that God provides. But for some of you, maybe it's like, man, my kids are older, or maybe I don't have kids yet, but maybe you just need to hear that this is not just a story for parents, but also a story for each of us as followers of Jesus. 
that God has uniquely placed each of us around other people. Maybe it's people in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in relationships that we have and that we could see an opportunity still. That no matter what we're going through or they're going through, if we could be the example of this is how we always return and turn back to God. That maybe it just starts there, that the person in your life that you need to have impact and David recognizes it in this moment, that's me. Some of the things that Absalom faced are, are things that I set in motion. And maybe there's areas that I wish I could have showed him how to turn back to God in moments where you turn to yourself. No matter, over the last couple chapters, it's been a hard couple chapters. It's been a lot of negativity. It's been a lot of bad. David has seen a lot of bad things. A lot of bad things are going on. His kids are dysfunctional. His, one kid finally rebels, and now he is on the run out of Israel, the place that God anointed and placed him to be king of Israel. Now he's on the outskirts of it. Absalom wants his, him dead, and now they have to go to war, and he has to try to find a way to protect what, uh, his people and also to protect what God is calling him to. And he goes through all this, and it's just death and destruction. And for many of us, it's just also a realization that this is a part of David's story. Chapter 18 is a, a chapter that you and I, we go through also. There are chapter 18s of our life that are difficult where we will watch our kids finally follow in our footsteps but in all the wrong ways. And we will go through moments where we will uh, experience loss and grief that we will have to wrestle with. Why God moments? All this will occur in our lives just like it occurs in David's. And, And really at the end of the day, the hope that I have is that maybe today for some of you, like out of this story, we can see that sometimes life doesn't always feel good. But I think there is a way where we can still be good. Like be healthy. Like, like it's our spiritual journey, our spiritual maturity, our walk with God is not dependent on our experiences in life always because you and I will get to chapter 18 experiences that we do not want to go through. Maybe you're in it today. How can we not just feel good, but how can we be good? How, how can that really happen? You, you can have a lot of applause in life, but if you don't have approval from God, it means nothing. And you can have a lot of charisma, but if you don't have character, it means nothing. So how do we make sure that we're really good? How do we see this in the story of David? And there, there's good news, and we, we have to hear this. David will continue to see, uh, man, God's hand on his life, and that is good. And we are told promises from God that I believe so many of us, if we just look back on, we have experienced in life. That is so good. Where you have seen God's protection in your life, where you have seen his provision in your life, where you have struggled in marriage and all these things, but God continues to work his plan for your good, where you will see his strength in your life, where you will see that he says, I will continue a good work in you until it's completion, perfection. Like all these are good feelings, but we also have to own those things even when we don't always feel it. How do we do that? How do we experience that? Here's the thing. David knew about chapter 18. He didn't know every detail. He didn't know maybe it was going to go down exactly like this. He still had to trust God and be faithful, but he knew it was coming. 
A prophet would come to him and said, man, because of some of the sins that you have done, you will see the ripple effect of those sins in your life. He knew it was coming. And he begins to see it. Problem and death, destruction, issues. And he has a number of bad chapters. But the truth still is that his anointing and his appointing as king is still true. God didn't make a mistake with David. You and I, maybe, like, we have 30 chapters of David's story in 1 Samuel and now 2 Samuel. And you and I can sit here and go, man, David is a mess. He's had a couple really cool moments, but a lot of really bad ones. And we can say, man, it seems like God chose the wrong guy. It seems like he's a mistake. Like, he made too many. Like, God's going to get rid of him. Like, that's not. And God will continue to use a David. And maybe today you need to also hear that no matter how far you've gone, no matter how bad your past is, no matter what you're even dealing with today, that God's promise is still true and that he chooses you and he says, I will use you. Amen. And this is, this is where David starts. And David would start in 1 Samuel. We are first introduced to him as a young shepherd boy where all the brothers, he's the runt of the litter, if you will, all the brothers would meet the prophet Samuel, and, 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 but they left David out in the, the wilderness with the sheep, and Samuel meets all them and says, none of these guys, and they, they were the tough ones, they were the strong looking ones, they looked great, and David was the smaller, younger one, and Samuel says, none of these guys, you have another son, don't you? And, and they're like, yeah, I guess, I mean, we can go see him, and, and it's that moment where David's life will change, where he's told, hey, you are chosen by God to be the next king of Israel. Imagine that, a shepherd. I mean, we're talking like, no disrespect, but you're the register at McDonald's and all of a sudden you're gonna be the president. Like that's a lot of news to take on. And if you were, if I was, I would be like, all right, last day of work, I'm out of here. But the next day, what that young shepherd boy does is he goes back to his sheep and he remains faithful with what he's given and where he's at. He's appointed and anointed to be king, but he's not yet king. And he's faithful with where he's at. And then he will grow up and he will then deliver some food to the war, but he will never fight. He will finally be the only man willing to fight when no one else will. And he will step up and he doesn't belong to be there, but he is there and he steps up and God uses him in a mighty way. And then he will become a musician for the king and the right-hand man and he will be a warrior and he will start leading other men into war and people will start to respect him, but he is still not king. And then the king will become jealous of him and now he will be on the run. He will live in enemy territory and he will struggle and he will cry and he will deal with all this and it's like man God's plan is not coming to fruition and all this will happen and then he will take over a small army in the nation of Israel but he is still not king and then he will finally take the role of king and it seems like finally he's reached that destination finally and there's truth in all of that journey of David that is in your story as well for some of us we want to see the big things of God you want to see God work in amazing ways in your life, which is such a good thing. But he's first requiring and asking us to be faithful with the small things, with where we're at today, with what we're going through right now, that we can be faithful with what he's given us currently. And then we begin to see what he gives us into the future. But David's story isn't done and yours isn't either. Maybe you've started to trust God and taken those steps, but then life gets hard and things fall apart 
and, and what you thought it would be is not what it's being. But David continues to rely on God, trust God, be faithful, and turn to God. And for so many of us, that's the greatest thing that we could ever hear is that that is what we're called to. That wherever you're at today, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, that the best decision you could ever make is to always turn back to God. This is Absalom's biggest mistake that he makes. Absalom, he will choose his own way, his own will, and it will end with destruction and ultimately death. And the one thing that David is famous for, is amazing at, and that no matter what story you hear of David, you need to hear it and you need to see a man that continues to do what? Turn back to God. This is a story of a rebel son and a story of a merciful father. This is a story of a prodigal son that will take everything he can get from his dad and he will leave that relationship and abandon it for his own selfish gain. And he will splurge and enjoy and do things, but it will ultimately end with nothing of value. And he will finally begin the journey back home. But before he ever gets close to that home, his father will see him from far away and run and embrace him and celebrate his return. This is a story of men and women that have chosen their own will and their own way, that have chosen to be their own gods instead of God, and that have chosen their own actions and hurt others and abused others and taken advantage of others. But God, the Heavenly Father, His response is this. I love you. Welcome home. Here's my ultimate grace. This is the story for each of us, church. Would you stand right now for just a moment, wherever you're at today, whatever you're going through, that this is the greatest news ever. Whatever chapter you feel like you're in in life, the amazing grace and mercy of Jesus, our Father welcomes us home. He is a good God. He is a good Father. Even when we don't know what to do, we turn back to Him. Hey guys, I really hope this message was uh, encouraging to you today. That's right. My wife and I are so honored that you joined us in this way. And we'd love to encourage you. Uh, it, one, if you'd like to connect with us more, uh, if you live locally, and uh, we'd love to have you visit us in person. If you'd like to join us in the mission here and uh, partner with us, uh, we'd love for you to receive all of that and even other messages. And you can find all that at this resource right here. Thank you so much for joining us.